Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, Lisa, I have a question for you. When was the last time something exceeded your expectations? Okay. So, you know, expectations, um, I think we have expectations all the time. I'm trying to think, okay, so exceeding. Um, I do have a story. But first of all, I think we have expectations all the time. Like we just came through the Christmas season. I don't know about you, but every time before Christmas, I'm like, okay, this year I'm going to do da-da-da-da-da. And this year it's going to be da-da-da-da-da. And then I finally realized, like, okay, maybe part of my Christmas tradition is that these things won't happen, you know? Mm. But I'm still wrapping gifts on Christmas Eve. And this is part of my tradition. Yeah, instead of going, ah, I missed it again, going, no, this is part of my tradition. So even reframing some of your expectations um, mm-hmm. that we have of things, I think, uh, can be significant. But, you know, when you think of expectations, we have expectations of, um, like, when we start a new job or even of our, our job that we're in, you know, certain expectations going to meet and um, provide for us and I think even going into this new year, you know, you and I were talking just a few minutes ago about, um, you know, anticipating a new year and things you're looking forward to. And so, you know, even we're looking your relationships, your friendships, yeah, your, your totally. partnerships, your, yeah, your spouse. It's like those, those expectations that you put and not, you and I have talked about this quite often. You, you can't put everything on that one person, which we have right. a tendency to do as well. Right. So I think, you know, and so speaking of expectation on marriage, which is going to kind of what we're going to be talking about later in our show, because in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by author Nancy Anderson, who just recently wrote the book, Avoiding the Greener Grass Syndrome, How to mm-hmm. Grow a Fair Proof Hedges Around Your Marriages. And so I think we all, you know, we go into marriage with expectations, and sometimes those um, expectations don't get met. I mean, we always mm-hmm. have that. So I, I'm anxious to talk because that greener grass syndrome is very real in every aspect of our life, but especially, mm-hmm. I think, with our marriage. Okay, but before we get too much farther into our show, we want to remind you all that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we are rallying you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget. Okay. So I kind of have a story. Um, let's, let's go. As we were talking about expectations and exceeding expectations, and I'm not sure really how to say this, but it, it, um, so for Christmas, I get this, um, I get this, this email from a friend and, um, it's, it's a, it's a friend of my husband's and myself, <clears throat> excuse me. And he lives in New York city. He knows that my son and family love the Yankees. In fact, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, my son and daughter-in-law have five kids and every one of their kids has a Yankees, uh, player's middle name. Um, like my, our daughter 
our granddaughter's Adeline, so her middle name is Ruth for Babe Ruth. So, you know, you can kind of get that. So you can kind of see they're kind of fanatics <laughs> with the Yankee thing. So anyway, this friend texts me and he says, hey, um, I'm going to be meeting with one of the Yankee guys and I can get an autographed jersey for your son and it would be a great Christmas gift for you. And he goes, Whoa. would you be interested? And I'm like, sure, that would be awesome. And I honestly, I'm not a Yankee fanatic. I, I like the Yankees because my, my kids do, but I don't follow. I'm not a big baseball. So um, I'm just thinking this is really cool. You know, anything autographed is great. So he goes, perfect. So a couple of weeks goes by and he goes, okay, I got the autographed jersey of this player. And I'm like, perfect. That's so great. Thank you so much. And he's like, okay, where would you like me to send it? And I'm like, well, we're going to go up and see them. Our son lives in Portland. And um, I said, just send it here to our, my address and we'll take it up there. And um, so then a, another couple of weeks goes by and, and I get this, get the package with this Jersey all signed and it's amazing. And so I, you know, like what, Hey, what do I owe you for this? Cause I know jerseys aren't cheap. He's like nothing. He goes, he goes, you know, I just appreciate you and your husband and, and the friendship. And, and he goes, it's just, it's something I just wanted to do. And he goes, us Yankee nation people have to stick together. Um, he knows how much my son loves Yankees and he does too. So he was just excited to do that for one Yankee fan to another. And I'm like, this is like a really super great gift. And I knew it was something really special, but I had no idea because the guy's name was uh, Mario Rivera. And I, <laughs> I knew the name, but I didn't know the significance of the name. Okay. Yeah. So I wrap this up and I do stuff. And so I take it with us to Portland. And so our friend says, you know, just take a picture of him opening it up. And that would be great. So, um, you know, we're opening gifts and then it comes with this gift. And I'm like, Oh wait, I got to get my camera. I go, this is going to be a cool thing. And he's, my son's looking at me. And so I get the camera ready and, so he opens it up and he's looking at it and he sees the jersey and he turns it around and he sees the signature. He goes crazy. I mean, like, oh my <laughs> gosh, I can't believe you. This, ah, how did you get this? This is amazing. I love this player. And then he said, we were going to use his name as, for one of our kids, but it didn't quite fit. So I knew this guy was wow. really significant, right? And he, and he go, I said, really, this guy's a big deal. He goes, Oh my gosh, this guy, and he starts telling me stuff about him. And I said, I had no idea. I knew he'd be cool, but I didn't know this cool, you know? And so he's like, I can't believe that God. And so I told him the story of our friend and how he, you know, was a kind of a gift from him and he wanted to do this and he's like blown away. So it was really fun to watch it. But then I started thinking, I'm like talking about expectations. It's like, I knew this would be a cool gift. I had no idea what it was going to mean to my son and them with this one signature. And I just started realizing, I was like, I had no idea what I had in my hand. I didn't realize the value that I was holding, had been holding and I was carrying. And it, you know, this gift exceeded any expectations. And I think so many times we have no idea what's in our hand. Like to somebody else's is exceeding expectations and we don't even understand mm -hmm. what we carry sometimes, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so I don't think, but it was just, it was a really fun way and a good reminder that, you know, we have no idea the value of certain things that we carry or that we bring to people or that we give to people. And we just think, Oh, this is cool, but we have no idea. So it was a great reminder and it was really fun. So it, well, you know what's exceeding expectations. What, what makes it fun, just even, you know, hearing the story is how Jeremy responded. And you and I have talked about that, like 
how do you respond to the gift giving? How do you respond? Because so many times you can be really excited and you have high expectations. And and I'm laughing because you're telling this absolutely fabulous story of the greatest gift. And I'm, I'm thinking of my greatest gift for Christmas this year. Um, and there was no camera needed to take it as I opened <laughs> up a, a global. So there's no, there's no photos of this moment. <laughs> there's no. <laughs> and uh, my, it's my global moment that it's emotion censored, like toilet seat. It lights up when you enter the powder room. And that, okay. that's what I got. I from saw my... this advertised on TV. <laughs> I got it. You well, apparently, it. my husband got saw um, the ad- advertisement as well, and you know, <laughs> high expectations. I get it, but it, it's it's funny because I probably didn't have that same gratitude as I received my gift and what my expectations were. But as, as you and I have talked about, I. I love Christmas so much. I it really is about the giving. I I'm mocking my global moment. And um, on a side note, as much as I mocked it and I gave my husband such a hard time about giving that gift, I, I actually really like it. <laughs> it's kind of nice, you know. You, you walk in, it lights up. It's kind of like applauding, you know. Hey, she's here. So is it now exceeding your expectations? <laughs> yeah, it's like paparazzi when you walk into the bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she's here, here. she's here <laughs> yes yes indeed but yeah what what happens you know when it exceeds those those moments but that is a great story with with jeremy i love that well you it, know and it, it goes into you don't you we just don't realize and we and we do have expectations of things whether we recognize it or not you know and like with you, with that, I think that's so story, so funny, your story, because it's like the practical part of you immediately kicks in, right? It's like, huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where this is going back. This is being returned. <laughs> yeah. And what then do I have to clean around? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, but maybe if I open it, you know, if I give it a, if I look, really look at it and see its potential, and then it exceeds expectations, right? So Absolutely. I think, you know, even in a relationship or anything, it's like if I, if I really take time to look at it and see the possibilities and see the potential, um, I think that's when the expectations can kind of get blown away, which is um, it's a good challenge, even in, in our marriages. And, and so another question, I think, along this line is, is there an area in your life that you feel stuck or, you know, even in your marriage, are you kind of stuck in a place? So how do we get? How do we start exceeding those expectations and get unstuck? Mm-hmm. You know, or what, what we talked about earlier, when you put those expectations all on one person, and that's one of, uh, I'm looking forward to hear what Nancy has to say in her book about avoiding the greener grass syndrome. And many times, especially when you're newlywed, you have this, uh, you know, Disneyland perspective of now I'm getting married and I will be in the happiest place in the world and you're going to meet all my needs rather than not putting all those expectations and having all those expectations to be met by one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have a newlywed in your family. I do have a newlywed. Yes. And I, I know for me um, that first year of marriage was a little ec- extreme in, you know, if I look at 29 years of being married, it was that first year 
that you're having to figure out, oh, you mean you're not begging me to go to the grocery store with you? (laughs) I mean, I had it bad. (laughs) It's like, you're going to get in the car and go somewhere without me? Wait, that that doesn't seem right. And uh, now, you know, of course, when he's like, I'm going to Costco, do you want to go? No. No. (laughs) Not so much. Yeah, the honeymoon is over. Yeah, <laughs> real life now. <laughs> well, we're going to yeah. talk about that. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will be joined with author Nancy Anderson and talk about her book, The Grass is Greener on the Other Side. So start thinking about areas of your life that that's appropriate. We'll be right back, Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Looking at the labels on food to see the calorie count, sodium, fat, etc. is a good thing and will help you make smart choices when buying food. But be sure to pay attention to the serving size. Oreo cookies have only 160 calories per serving. But a serving is only three cookies, not six cookies like most people eat. Canned soups, cereals, and cooking sprays are all tricky when trying to watch calorie and sodium intake. Coffee creamers are another overlooked source of fat and calories. Some list nutritional information based on a single teaspoon, even though many people have much more. Fat-free creamers lead people to think they're only getting 10 calories, when a two-tablespoon serving, a more realistic serving size, would add 50 calories. Be sure to look at serving size on the food labels. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
married, make sure that they're going somewhere else uh, to talk about their marriage issues and to not come to you, uh, which which is always interesting because you you want to be there for them, but this is the one time when you really shouldn't be hearing their issues because you have a tendency to look at their spouse um, differently. Did you set any of those rules or guidelines down at all, Lisa? You know, no, not we we did it, but we don't really. I think they were kind of um, unspoken. Um, kind of some, I mean, yeah, it's hard not to, but it's like, I, I'm one. And I think you're the same way. It's like, I know my kids are capable, so I don't, I, and I love my, the spouses that they chose. So I know that I try to be partial, but yeah, I think it's good to have somebody else too, that you're not, and they're not coming home to, you know, mom and dad, but, um, but I love this, their spouses just as, you know, I mean, I, I know my kids are capable too. But I, but I, but you know, that was, that applied even before they were married, you know, like even in, in other things, it's like, well, my kids are capable. I, I wasn't that mom that defended them to the, to the help because yes. they weren't, you know, it's like, yeah, I, cause I know me, I'm capable of that too. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's kind of the boundary, I guess, if that's a boundary. Exactly. Well, we're going to be talking about that, um, avoiding the greener grass syndrome and how to grow a fair proof hedges around your marriage. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump in there. And Nancy, how are you today? Well, I'm great. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. And, and Nancy, you have been featured on all kinds of national media, such as the Huffington Post, the 700 Club, World Magazine, Our Daily Bread, and Family Life Today. And now here you are on Girlfriend It. It doesn't get any better than that, right? Uh, this is the pinnacle. Absolutely. <laughs> well, first of all, Nancy, tell us, like, wh- what's your story here? Wh- what made you go, you know what, I think I'm going to talk uh, about uh, avoiding the greener grass syndrome. So we're, we're uh, it, in your journey, in your season of life, that you realize this needs to be a book, and we need to put it out there for people to read. Well, it wasn't a book until way after, like 20 years later, but we did Start, start telling our story um, probably within a year. The basic story is this, that I, my, our marriage was awful. We were Christians, but we weren't walking with the Lord, and we weren't, um, we were just behaving badly, both of us. <laughs> but then a, a guy at work started to romance me, and I ended up leaving my husband for this other man, but then... I repented, Ron forgave me, my husband, and we built a new, on a new foundation and figured out how to do it correctly. Mm. So we started to tell the story to help other people. Yeah. How, how far in the marriage were you when all of a sudden you had this work romance taking place? Uh, we were been married about two years at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and I was 24, so young. Yeah, at 22. Mm-hmm. And, and do you feel like, Nancy, that the enemy, that's a great time to, to come in and attack? Because I hear that quite a bit in the, it seems like in the younger part of your marriage and then in the older part where you just start getting that, you know, the apathetic part of, you know, Groundhog Day in, in your marriage. But right. At the beginning, you're used to dating other people. And now all of a sudden, oh, 
I'm, I'm not allowed to have those thoughts. I'm not allowed to think that way. And it's, it's that paradigm shift that you, you say these vows, but maybe you haven't truly owned them yet. I think that that is what happened because I did date a lot of people. And if they, I got bored with them or they annoyed me in any way, I just get a new one. Yeah. So that pattern, which was not a good pattern, but I, you're right. I didn't fully commit that this was final. There were no other options. I needed to figure out a way to make it work. I, I didn't have that mindset. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I-, I was open to other possibilities. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a great topic right now, especially, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, let's come down on the millennials and the, and their thought process, but I do see this shift in the way we think of commitment. And mm-hmm. I, I know, uh, I work with, you know, some of the younger generation just in, in life groups and you'll invite them for an event or to even come to your house and they won't commit to it until the very end when they know there's nothing else better that's going to happen. Yep. So, They're keeping, keeping all options open. Which, yes. And I feel know, like that's, it, it won't work in marriage. And I feel like they're doing that in their relationships as well. There's so many choices out there that I can't commit to this person and date this one person. So perhaps if I live with them, perhaps if I go this route, even though I mm-hmm. I commit to saying I'm a Jesus follower, but I'm not going to trust Jesus to the fullest in my mate, in my spouse, because I might get something better that comes along. So I, it, well, what, that's what a great book. That's the whole concept of greener grass syndrome. Obviously, it applies in my case to marriage, but it applies in all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, as simple as well, we went to the restaurant last night, and I ordered, and my husband ordered. And I'm like, I want what you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, that's the age-old thing is, oh, oh, I didn't, I bought a new car, but then I see that car, and oh, I should have got a red one. I mean, no. we're just full of dissatisfaction. It's our sin nature. Mm-hmm. And so we have to fight against it. Well, at what point did you, as you're fighting against it, at what point did you realize, okay, I met this other guy at work, and now I'm, you know, I'm married. I need to go to Ron and ask for forgiveness. Or did you get kind of found out? Because many times we see that where we don't really ask for forgiveness until we realize we have to. Well, and I've seen both, but in my case. I came to my own conclusion first. I had moved out. I just didn't tell him I was with somebody else. I just, you know, the age-old thing, I need some space, it's me, it's not you. Every lie you could tell somebody, I told. And he believed me. And so I had what really the turning point was a conversation with my father. And we were just talking, I heard you talking about your parents' involvement in your children's marriage and how do you do that? How do you navigate that? And in my case, uh, my father's stern but but loving discipline of me, even as an adult, he just said, that's not acceptable. You mm-hmm. don't have grounds for divorce. You, you do not. Have you gone to marriage counseling? No. Have you read a book on marriage? No. Have you... Gone to a mentor couple? No. Have you gone to your pastor? No. Have you gone to a couple's retreat? No. He said, then I can't support a divorce. Mm. And yeah, that's he was a, right. Yeah. Well, so and then the that whole was thing, kind of my turning point. 
And well, then the whole thing after that is navigating like just the kind of the reconciliation and the healing um, with you and Ron and Ron even with that. Can you kind of, you know, because to come back and go, wow, I did this. And then so how do we move forward now? Not letting that totally define us, but learning from that. So what did that journey start taking you? Well, after I decided, after the conversation with my father, and then he prayed for me, which I hadn't prayed in a long time, because when you're in rebellion, you don't want to hear from God. Mm-hmm. But that opened not only the my physical, you know, father, but my spiritual father as well, uh, confronted me in love. And I saw myself. They both held them up to me, and I said, what have I done? How mm-hmm. can I fix this? Will Ron forgive me? So he came home that evening, and I was just there picking up some things. I did not live there at that point. And I said, I've got something to tell you, and it's awful. And he already knew that I was divorcing them, so I guess he figured how much worse could it get. But then I confessed the whole truth. And surprisingly, he said, you know what? Everything makes sense now. Hmm. because hmm. He, he had, people were telling him there's no way she's leaving unless she's got somewhere to go, you know, it, emotionally. And um, so he, again, through my parents' counsel, um, my father talked to Ron about the difference between forgiveness and trust. Hmm. And he said that trust, trust is a gift you give, unearned. I'm sorry. Forgiveness is a gift you give unearned. Mm-hmm. However, trust has to be earned. Mm. So the first step is deciding if you're going to forgive her or not. And then if you do, you can rebuild your marriage and then rebuild the trust. They're two separate processes. Mm-hmm. And my husband decided to forgive me. Though our feelings were, we still didn't like each other. And I was, quote, unquote, in love with this other person. But I decided to have my actions override my feelings and try to pursue my husband and see if we couldn't fix our marriage. Mm. And that's what we did. It was a slow process. It probably took two years for us to um, really feel like we were emotionally reconnected and healthy again. Wow. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break here. This is just good stuff because as one of the things I'm hearing you say is I had to choose. It's like I had to choose my actions over my feelings, which we defer the other way. We let our feelings dictate our, you know, our choices. And so it's like I had to make a choice what I, and that was kind of a defining moment, even though it didn't feel like you wanted. So we're going to stop on that, take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. 
We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. We all know that we need to eat more fruits and vegetables every day. The Centers for Disease Control reported that only 32.5% of adults in the U.S. ate fruit two or more times daily, and just over a quarter of Americans ate vegetables three or more times per day. The nutritional recommendations are that you eat at least five servings of fruit and veggies daily. You need to make a conscious effort to fill your diet with fruit and veggies, and it's actually easy to do. Start by adding vegetables to your favorite dishes like broccoli and onions to your pizza. Add cut up carrots and peppers to your pasta. It's taken me a few years, but I can now say that the majority of our diet at home is vegetables and fruit. By making a conscious effort, you can do it too. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Togenet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have been chatting with award-winning writer Nancy Anderson and her latest book, Avoiding the Greener Grass Syndrome, How to Grow a Fair-Proof Hedges Around Your Marriage. And Nancy, we went into the commercial break um, talking about your story and what took place and how you... um, prayed with your father and you were able to, to talk with Ron. And I, I want to um, jumpstart into for our listeners to go, you made a comment about you don't want, you know, your story to become somebody else's story. Uh, so how do we build these hedges around our marriage? Well, the subtitle is how to grow a fair proof hedges around your marriage. And I know that nothing is totally 100% fair proof because we have our own decisions to make about such things. But what we didn't have was clear-cut boundaries in our marriage, boundaries in our personal life, boundaries in our spiritual life, and because of that, we didn't have our hedges. And the concept of hedges is to keep the good things in and the bad things out. If you think mm-hmm. of it as a, you know, a boundary literally around your marriage. And the concept is the word hedges, H-E-D-G-E-S, has six letters, and it spells out, I'll say them real quick, and then you can ask me any questions. Uh, The first one is hearing, that is communication, really listening, censoring cruel and angry words. Then E for encouraging, which is helping your mate, Um, compliments, harmony, those kinds of things. Then dating is keeping it fresh and fun. Uh, we've been married almost 40 years now, and we still date. Mm. And then guarding, which is the very specific rules about workplace, about 
people living in your home, you know, like nannies or um, if you rent a room out, like what do we do with all this? Do we have passwords to each other's phones? I mean, there's so many things to talk about. And that verse for that is guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And that's Proverbs 4.23. So we're talking about guarding our heart. Then educating, which is studying your mate and becoming an expert on what he or she, uh, their family background, their, um, my husband's an extrovert, I'm an introvert, he's an optimist, I'm a pessimist, we're opposites in every way, but I've actually read books on how does an extrovert see the world? So I can help understand him. Mm. Then S is satisfying, which is putting all that into practice, finding out what your mate's needs are and meeting those needs. That's the action step. So those are the hedges. And you said E was, was what again? Well, the first E is encouraging, and then the other E is educating. Okay, encouraging and educating. And what what were some of the, the G on guarding? I like that where it's like you even had uh, guarding at work. What are some of the boundaries that you put there with the G? Well, the great thing is that you and your spouse are the king and queen of your little kingdom. So that's when you have a discussion about it kind of depends on what kind of job you have. Like if 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 you're a female and you're doing business travel with another male, then you need to talk very specifically about um, how does that work. Same with, in, in my case, I worked in the aircraft industry, which is mostly male. I was one of the only females. So what about lunches? Do you go to lunch with a coworker who's of the opposite sex? Do you go alone? Do you ride in a car? Do you exchange text messages of a personal nature? Do you not? There's so many things to be decided. And then, like I said about passwords, my vote is everybody's got everybody's password. In fact, mm-hmm. we have the same passwords on, on both of our phones. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of up to each couple to decide, depending on where your weak spots are. Pornography's got to be guarded against. Some people have a temptation toward it and some don't. But if there's any hint of a problem, you've got to set up safeguards against that, too. And that is so difficult in the world. I'm, I'm actually leaving in just a couple of weeks, and I, I'm doing all of those things. I'm traveling okay. in a car. I'm staying in a hotel. I'm having dinner and lunch because mm-hmm. that's just <laughs> the nature of, of what, I'm doing on this particular trip, but, but like you said, when you, you know, when you're at a level where you're trusting each other and you've had those conversations so much, you really do have to get into that rhythm of knowing and not that you're ever, I mean, you're always susceptible to it. Um, you have to, you know, guard it. Right. And being aware of it is like, if you hadn't even thought about it, when we get to the hotel, what if he orders adjoining hotel rooms? What am I going to say? What is my decision? Make it ahead of time. We're not getting adjoining hotel rooms. We're going to, yeah. I would like a hotel room on a different floor. That's one way you cannot see each other in the hallway in your pajamas when you're going to get ice. I yeah. mean, I think it's better the more distance. But if you're going to have a meeting and you're in a hotel, then you go to the lobby or the coffee shop, not mm-hmm. the bar. 
and not another hotel room. You just ahead of time say this 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 will work for me or this won't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as having lunch together, you know, whatever your company rules are, and your company may have rules about that kind of thing. One word of caution is I say no alcohol, whether you drink or don't drink. That's a whole discussion for a different day. But if you're on a business lunch, absolutely no alcohol because it lowers your inhibitions, especially mm-hmm. if you're out of town. Yeah. Um, talk about your spouse in positive terms. Don't use this as a marital counseling session because the other person may see that as an opening. Mm-hmm. Talk about your spouse positively. Decide ahead of time. Uh, do I hug this coworker or do we just shake hands? And what if he wants to hug me? How, what do I do? If all these things are talked about ahead of time or thought about at least ahead of time, um, it, it makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Well, I love your talk about your spouse. I do think that that, that happens. You see that happening all the time where people are talking mm-hmm. about their spouse in a negative way. And when I said that, I meant, like, yeah, what you're saying, talk about your, your spouse in a positive, like, I love my relationship and I have this amazing husband and, um, right. people do have a tendency at work to let their guard down. Yeah. You remember that old phrase about, Oh, my wife just doesn't understand me. Mm-hmm. You know, that the man would say to his secretary and she'd go, well, I understand you, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the open door for trouble. Mm-hmm. So not to say that you can't talk to somebody about your marriage, but save that for your close friends. Save that for your pastor, not at work. That's what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. one of the hedges is keep your work, keep your personal life out of your work. Because mm-hmm. it can contaminate both ways. Mm-hmm. So these six uh, things that you came up with, these, these hedges, um, how did you identify these things from your own experience within your marriage? Well, that was part of it was that I didn't, we had never discussed any of it. So therefore mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you the first time that my boundary was crossed and it was innocent sort of would have appeared to be innocent. We were, this gentleman and I were sitting next to each other at a meeting and they're, you know, around a boardroom type table and his leg bumped up against my leg, like from knee to thigh and I left my leg there mm. instead of saying, oh, excuse me, and pulling my leg away, which is what you would normally do. I didn't. I left it there. So he looks over at me, and I look over at him with a quick glance, and we both go, hmm, that's interesting. Mm. So that was uh, the beginning. I sent him a message. I was unguarded. I was open to possibilities. So then it progressed after that, and then we'd go to lunch in a group, but make sure we sat by each other. Then we'd go to lunch alone eventually, then dinners after work alone. So it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a progression of small steps that mm-hmm. led to the cliff. So what mm-hmm. I want people to understand is each progressive step takes you further toward the cliff. So the further back you can say, no thanks the safer you are. Mm-hmm. Wow. And did you realize you were heading into trouble? Do you, I mean, is, is it like you said before, I had to make a choice in the feelings. So were you, 
I, I, I think it happens unintentionally so many times, like you said, because we haven't put up our boundaries, haven't put up these hedges to go, no, I see this trouble coming. Did you see trouble in this and the little you know, progression things? I did, I guess, on some level, but it was really exciting. I won't lie. Sin is right. fun for a season. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. My husband was critical, and he'll admit all this, critical, complaining, uh, made me the brunt of his jokes. I don't cook very well, and he made it known to everybody that I'm a terrible cook. He didn't like me very much. So Mm -hmm. I'm coming into work defeated, and I'm not making excuses for anything I did. I'm just telling you a bad marriage is a setup for an affair. Absolutely. And. And so when this other guy is saying, oh, you're so pretty, you know, you're so smart, and he laughs at every dumb thing I might say, and, oh, when you wear that dress, you have amazing legs, you know, the the compliments got more and more personal. Mm -hmm. And I liked it, partly Mm -hmm. because I was starving. Um, I say that compliments are like magnets, Mm -hmm. and you're attracted to people who compliment you. Mm-hmm. Which can be fine if they're innocent, you know, good job on that report. But if they're not innocent, that can also be dangerous. And that's right. what happened in my case. And I'm not blaming him, but he was fishing and I took the bait. Yeah. Well, and how often does that happen, you know, when we, um, because we have not um, come up with these list of, of boundaries, which is so important to know where you stand before you're in that moment and before the the feelings start taking over and dictating exactly. um, what that is. Exactly. It's like the snowball right. effect. It's like you're, then you're along My for the ride. And it's... Right. And then, and then at some point your hormones take over and then mm-hmm. you lose control and then you're in deep trouble. My husband had a boundary clearly set ahead of time that he wouldn't go to what they now call gentlemen's clubs, which are, Mm -hmm. you know, like a strip club. He knew he wouldn't go. We had talked about that because some of his coworkers went at lunchtime. So when they asked him, he said, no, my wife and I have a deal. She doesn't go to the male ones and I don't go to the female ones. So thanks, but no thanks. Have fun. Hey, we're going to stop on that. We'll we'll be right back and girlfriend it. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It can be difficult to find good, fresh fruit in the fall and winter months. Are there other alternatives? Frozen fruit is a great choice. 
ABC News reported that frozen fruit could actually be healthier than fresh fruit. Some of the healthiest foods in the grocery store are in the freezer section. They state that fruit loses important nutrients the minute it's picked, and how long after harvesting you eat it impacts its nutritional value. Most fruits are allowed to fully ripen before they are harvested and frozen, so they are at their peak of nutritional value. But many times, fresh produce is harvested before it's fully ripened, so it is artificially ripened when it's transported to the supermarket and doesn't provide the key nutrients. So don't let fall and winter months tempt you into foregoing fruit in your daily diet. Consume frozen fruit and enjoy all the nutritional advantages. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are chatting with Nancy Anderson, author of Avoiding the Greener Grass Syndrome. And Nancy, we, we literally just went on to commercial break and we were talking about strip clubs. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> as it, just the question of, you know, once you guys, you and Ron decided to commit to repairing your marriage and let's, let's talk about some tips on what is the first step towards reconciliation, how you move forward. And you, you gave us your acronym for hedges on, on doing all that. But one of them, you said you guys committed to, Hey, that's some of our boundaries. We're not going to gentlemen's clubs. We're not doing these things. And is there some other specific things um, beyond just the acronym there that you guys decided on as you move forward? Yes, that's the short answer. There is um, a chapter called Affair Repair, and that's new to this 2017 edition. It wasn't in the older one. And that offers seven action words, which describe the steps I recommend for couples who have fallen into adultery but decided to stay married about what the steps will be to climb out of the hole they've created. And the first one is to reveal, which is telling all the truth. Now, I don't recommend any details. It's enough to say that I was sexually unfaithful. You don't need any details about, you know, what, where, when, why, or how. And, well, um, I'm going to interrupt but, you there, though, Nancy. So with revealing, if there's a situation where someone's come to you and they've said, hey, you know, I, I was unfaithful, and, and maybe it was just emotionally, it wasn't, com- you know, a complete intimacy uh, physically, but now they have been able to reconcile their marriage and they're committed and moving forward. Would you still say you need to reveal this? It's tough. I think it depends on the health of the relationship and Mm -hmm. how far it went. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I recommend if it was just like I had a crush on somebody at work and was kind of, you know, lingering in the hall to make sure that he saw me or something like that. <clears throat> I wouldn't talk about that. Maybe mm-hmm. to a girlfriend. But right. if it if it went further than that, if there was a deep emotional connection and you're texting and calling or um any physical if like 
if you've kissed somebody, I think that you've got to confess that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's my opinion. I don't know that there's a biblical rule, but that's a betrayal. Because that's not, if you do anything with that person that you should only do with your spouse, then that's a betrayal of your marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously levels, but um, I think that should be brought up. And then you should be in place to not see that person again and right. not be put in that position again. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so we're we're on reveal, and then I I won't interrupt yeah. you for the next six. Oh, I don't don't <laughs> promise <laughs> that. <laughs> Let me take a drink. Here, my my voice is failing me. Okay, after reveal is repent, and that is to God first, asking for forgiveness, and then to your spouse. And that's very hard because when you ask for forgiveness, you give all the power to the other person because mm-hmm. they can say no. When you say, I'm sorry, that's, that's, you know, you have control of that. But when you say, will you forgive me? That's scary. Mm. But provided that they do give you that gift, then the next thing is to reconcile. And that involves uh, figuring out what happened. And reconciles actually an accounting term that means, you know, getting, getting the columns of numbers to add up. So it's figuring out what went wrong. Why, why wasn't this marriage strong enough? Why wasn't I strong enough? Like a uh, autopsy, like what happened? Where, mm-hmm. What failed? And then to rebuild is the next one. And that is once you figured out what went wrong you try to rebuild those areas of your life if it was spiritual and a lot of times it is in my case it was part of our rebuilding was finding a good solid bible church and committing to go and committing to go to couples events Mm -hmm. and getting a couple mentor and going to marriage counseling taking physical steps to rebuild your marriage and then resolve is resolving some of the damage that you've done as much as you can especially if you have children because they probably know on some level uh, you have in-laws, you might have a brother, a sister, the family of the person that you betrayed, not that you'd contact them, but you certainly would pray for them and ask for you know, them to be healed as well. Mm-hmm. Then renew, which is the fun part, and that's where you start to rebuild your marriage. And many people we know have actually renewed their vows after an affair because it's symbolic of a new beginning. Mm. In fact, we just counseled someone two nights ago that they were going to do that, and they were going to be baptized together as Mm -hmm. a renewal of their love for each other and their love for Christ. Mm -hmm. I thought, now that's the intense to be baptized together Mm -hmm. as, as, you know, the death and resurrection of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And then rejoice. And that's the, that's the stage that Ron and I are in now. We've gone through all those. And we really, really love each other and like each other and respect mm. each other and value each other. And all of those rewards that come from doing the work of those other steps. Mm. How long did that take you in this process to, to be able to say, I really like and I really love my, you know, my spouse? Well, you know, you can't base it all on feelings. 
because feelings come and go, you know, right. not to say he never annoys me. And I annoy him frequently, but the underlying love, trust, respect, all good things that are in a marriage, um, they got rebuilt at different levels um, mm-hmm. through time. Like I said, trust was earned. So I had to earn back his trust and that took a while. You know, I had to tell him where I was going and who I was with and if I was late and those kinds of things until he finally said, look, you don't have to tell me this stuff anymore. I trust you. Hmm. So that took a couple of years probably. And then, you know, we've had all kinds of setbacks in the last 30 years. It had nothing to do with our marriage per se, but affected our marriage. We have a son with autism. That was hard on our marriage. We had all three of our parents die the same year. That was mm. devastating to us. So, therefore, to our marriage, we were caring for elderly parents. That's hard on the marriage. Yeah. We had a financial year that was terrible many years ago. And, you know, so you go through different things that help you develop and a respect and an admiration of each other because mm-hmm. you survive lots of crisis. Mm-hmm. So it we, takes a while. Uh, two questions, Nancy. First of all, is your child with autism still in your home? And then the second question, do you think that there are more temptations today for like my daughter literally just got married um, last month or two months ago for extramarital affairs um, than when you went through this? Do you just feel like it just, you know, now we have a 50% divorce rate. Do you think that that's even going to go up with the situations that we're, we're dealing with? Um, the first question, yes. Nick still lives with us. He's 32. He volunteers at the library. That's where he is right now. My husband took him. Mm. And he's a wonderful man. And he just is maybe 10 or 12 intellectually. Mm-hmm. So he's fairly high-functioning and just a delight to me. But it is an extra thing that the marriage and mostly me, um, you know, have to contend with and make mm-hmm. arrangements for. And so it's another component that I think makes life harder in one way. I'll just say more complicated, not necessarily mm-hmm. harder. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been a test for our marriage. My husband didn't really want to accept the diagnosis. He thought he'd just, you know, get better if you just did X, Y, and Z. But so we had conflicts over that. Mm-hmm. Now you know, we've come to realize what's, what's true, mm-hmm. but that was hard on our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, as to the other question about, is it harder now? I think absolutely it's harder now because of the secrecy component used to be, if you wanted to go trolling for someone, uh, you had to actually go somewhere. Now yeah. there's people that come in pursuit of you on your phone yeah. when you're mm-hmm. completely innocent. I get messages all the time, you know, Facebook or whatever will pop up and it's some guy pretending to be, you know, mm-hmm. a general in some army or some crazy. <laughs> hey, I know like, him yeah, too. Right. He's got <laughs> yeah. like two posts and two friends. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. Buying that. So, but they come looking for you. Yeah. And so vulnerable people 
can be, well, we, we've seen the show Catfish, right, where people trick people. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it can be a coworker, you know, that can text you, that can private message you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to be if you wanted pornography, you had to go buy it mm-hmm. or rent a movie. Now it comes into your home on your phone. And, it's, yeah. you know, there's so many temptations. Even watching a football game, the lingerie ad will come on. And my husband's like, yowza. I yeah. wasn't thinking about it, but now I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there's no. We just have one minute, Nancy. Nancy, we just have one minute. Again, we want to thank you so much for being a part of our show and just sharing some really valuable tips and ideas for our marriages. How can our listeners find you and find this book? Okay. Well, uh, easiest way is my website, which is my name. I have a middle. Uh, Initial C in the middle, so it's nancycanderson.com. Looks like nancycanderson.com, okay. and on there you'll find all kinds of things. The book, Avoiding the Greener Grass Syndrome, is on Amazon, or you can get it through my website. And I've got all kinds of info on there, and anybody can email me with any questions, and I do reply to emails. Hey, so I'd love you, to hear from the listeners. You're just a wealth of great information and great practical tips. So thank you again for just sharing this. And we want to encourage our listeners to find you and to um, choose the right thing. So thank you again for joining us. It's been Girlfriend at Radio. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.